and making him known. Glorifying God in all the earth by knowing him and making him known. And so most of our beach project, or all of our beach project is centered around that. We, uh, uh, this summer, the theme of our summer was the way I live. And it comes from Philippians uh, 1, uh, 21 through 27. And I'll read that in just a minute. But what we wanted to happen this summer is that we prayed and, and as we planned, the purpose of the summer was we wanted all the students who were coming to get an opportunity to experience Christ in such a way that their lives would be changed forever. That they would experience the person of Jesus Christ through the word, through the teaching of the word, through the quiet times, through, uh, uh, through personal time alone in prayer, uh, through the trainings, through each other, as you heard uh, Anna Lee say earlier, uh, just that they would experience Christ through each other, and then through evangelism and sharing our faith. And a lot of times we don't think of experiencing Christ through evangelism, but we do. We, we really do. When we reach out to the world and we take the message of Christ to people and we see them respond like they did in this video, it makes us closer to Christ. Doesn't it? Doesn't that, when, didn't a, the, the chill go through anybody's back when those girls were saying, I'm a Christian in their broken English? It does. It makes us experience him uh, in some way. And the opposite is true, too, is that when we see people reject the gospel, when we see people reject the person of Christ, there's a sense where it breaks our heart, or at least it should, and it makes us think of how gracious God is to save us. Because what separates me from a person that doesn't know Christ? It's the grace of God, and that's it. I'm not smarter. I'm not better. There's nothing but but grace that separates me and so even in evangelism especially in evangelism i think we we experience christ uh, and so that was our purpose for the summer was for them to, to be to have jesus put before them in in many different ways in hopes that their lives would be changed and uh, as usual we had a catchy theme song uh that's popular in the culture right now but i'm not playing it for you uh but it's a was a song named the way i live and it really talks about the American culture in a lot of ways. Uh, and we just kind of took the, the phrase, the way I lived, and we looked at this passage from Philippians, and we asked ourselves the question, how do we live? If, what do you give your life to? When you think about your life and, and, and what you live for and who you live for, what is it that you give your life to? And we posed this question at the beginning of the summer, right off the bat. Uh, and we wanted our people to be so affected by Jesus that the way they live their life has changed. And I, I'm wanting to be affected by Jesus every day in such a way that my life has changed. The way I live has changed. And so we would talk, we, on Monday nights, we talked about the gospel. And we did 10 weeks on different aspects of the gospel. Uh, God's grace, his mercy, sin, adoption, the hope that we have in Christ to come, uh, being created for his glory, having a, a purpose in life, all these aspects of the gospel. And, and hopefully we were seeing and we were trying to pull out the character of God so that we could see the character of God and we could see the person of Christ and we could see how the gospel is applied to our lives and hopefully we would respond to it. And that was the goal, is that for, our, for the people to see Jesus and respond, if you want to put it, put it uh, simply. So we looked at this passage, and uh, I want to read it to you. I don't think I have it on my PowerPoint. I, I was supposed to, but... Uh, I think I lost it right before we came in here. 
Uh, so let me read it. You can turn to Philippians 1, 21 through 28 if you want to read it with me. This is, this is uh, Paul uh, writing to the Philippians. He's in jail, contemplating whether or not he'll make it out or not. And this is what he says. Uh, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire, my desire is to part and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all. For your progress and joy in the faith. So that in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Jesus Christ because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner be only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. We kind of took the question the, the the phrase the way I live, uh, and we just kind of asked kind of talked about if you asked if you asked Paul this question, Paul, describe the way you live. I think these four or five sentences here would be a short synopsis of his heart and what he lived for. And we challenged the people this summer, and uh, and I was challenging my own heart to really ask myself, why, why, what do I live for? And if you were to ask the American culture, and even the Christian American culture. What do you live for? You'd get varying answers. Uh, and I, I found this article. I found this. I saw it earlier. I found this uh, advertisement in my Golf Digest magazine. I was reading. And as I, as I looked at it, I thought, there's what we give our lives to. There's the American dream. And, and if you ask the American culture, if you ask 90% of the people in America, what do you live for? They may not say it just like this, but it comes out in some way. Work. I work now so that I can retire. And hopefully when I retire, I'll have fun. And principals making a they're, – they're just – I think they're brilliant here. Because this is, what, this, is, this is what everybody wants. I work so I can play. Uh, and so we, we, we talked about the American dream this summer. We just said it's not biblical. It's not in the Bible. Uh, some of the things that come with the American dream as far as wanting to be happy, uh, that's okay to want to be happy. But Christ is supposed to be the fulfillment of that, not retirement, not, not fun. And so we were challenging this summer this concept of what do you give your life to. And we did it by starting out by looking at what Paul gave his life to. And so I'm going to take, um, I know you are looking at your watches and you're going, man, how's he going to get done in 15 minutes? I will. Uh, because I'm not, I don't see this as a sermon or that I'm preaching uh, just on a, maybe a micro level. But I just want to encourage you and exhort you to evaluate what do you live for? What do you give your life to? And you're probably, if you're like me, you're going to say, I don't, I'm not like Paul here. And, that's, and at some level, that's okay. But... But I want to, it's okay, but it's not okay to stay there. And what we want to do at the end today, and hopefully after I've, I've said some of these things, is that we'll just start praying. Change us. 
Change us as people. Change us as a congregation to where we no longer live for anything other than Christ. Not our work, not fun, not our families, not that we live for Christ. And so, if you had to ask Paul, Paul, how do you live your life? I think Paul would say, this is the way I live. And that's how I started the summer. It's kind of catchy. Uh, I think in verse, uh, uh, in verse 21 there, he says, for me to live is Christ. Can you go to the next slide and see if I have this uh, passage on here? Yeah, I did. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I want to just say, first and foremost, Paul, if you're looking at the heart of Paul, his life, the center of his life was Christ, and everything flowed out of that. He viewed his entire life by the person of Jesus Christ. And I, I, I think the wording is strange, but I like it because it seems as if he defines himself by Jesus. For me to live is Christ. He didn't say for Christ, but I know that's implied, but it says for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I think one of the things you'll notice about Paul, if you read... If you read a lot of him, you'll see that his life purpose was completely wrapped up in loving, honoring, and glorifying God by proclaiming the gospel to the nations. Uh, Jesus Christ defined him, and it defined his purpose. It defined the way he lived. For me to live is Christ. And I think this is, I don't think this is radical Christian living. I think this is normal Christian life. That when you, when you see the person of Jesus for who he is and, you, and you're really affected by him, this becomes the normal Christian life. For me to live is Christ. So his purpose, his work, his ministry, everything was defined by Christ. I see. I think the second thing you see here is, uh, he would say, I, I don't live, the way I live is not entangled by the world. Not entangled by the world. Uh, in 2 Timothy 2, 4-6, he talks about how a, uh, he's comparing the Christian life to a to military. And he says a, a, a soldier doesn't get involved in civilian affairs. He doesn't get entangled in civilian affairs. But he, he, he lives to please the one who enlisted him. He fights in such a way to please the one who enlisted him. And I think you see here, you see that Paul is not connected to the American dream. Paul doesn't love this world. He doesn't love uh, luxury. He loves Christ. And he's convinced that if I'm going to live, it's going to be for Christ. And I, and I am not, I am not living for this world and my heart is not entangled in this world, so much, for, so much so that there's a battle going on within him. And I think it's an amazing battle. I, I wish it was, this was a deeper battle in my heart. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. He, that, how is he not entangled in the world? It's because he's gotten a glimpse of how great Christ is. And he... He, he wants to be with him. It is far better for him to be with him. Uh, is that true about us? As a people, as, as a, just not even this church, as American Christianity, is that true about us? It is far better to go be with Christ. I would, 
I would let, if you had the choice right now to go be with Jesus, if he came and said, you have to go be with Jesus or stay here in the comforts of life and the pleasures of life and with your family and everything you're connected to, would it be a resounding, yes, I'm going to go be with Christ? Is that where our heart is? I want to die. Is that, is that what would be true about us? I think for him it is. He says, I'm not, to die is gain. For me to die I, is to gain. And it's the best thing for me. And it's almost like you can s- somewhat feel him just wishing that, wanting that, to go be with Christ. And Second Corinthians 5.80 says this, We are of good courage, and I say, I prefer rather to be absent from, absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. It wasn't entangled. I think the, the third thing you, th- you see him living for, he says, If I'm going to stay here, it's going to mean fruitful labor for me. He was saying, I just really think this is fairly simple. He was saying, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to be about the work of the kingdom. Whatever that is, I'm going to be about the work of the kingdom. Now, that at least, at least involves the Great Commission. If it involves nothing else, it involves the Great Commission. It involves going to all the nations and taking the gospel. Building the kingdom, fruitful labor, at least involves that. Now, there are other ways that we labor, too, that's not necessarily evangelism. And I know that, and I, and I believe that. And I, I know it's building houses is, is good and right and glorifying to God. And working full-time jobs and honoring God is fully kingdom work and redeems this culture in a lot of ways. But, even, but at least in Paul's life, you see there is a focus on others. He says, it will mean fruitful labor for me. Uh, the word labor means hard work. It means hard work. It's not a, sometimes I, th- I think the, we, we get this picture of the Christian life as a warm fuzzy all the time. But Paul didn't see it as that. He, he knew it meant he's going to hurt. He's going to be flogged. He's going to be imprisoned. He was going to be in jail. He knew it was going to be hard. But he was committed to Christ and his purposes first. And so it meant fruitful labor for him. And it seems like there's either either I am going to die and go be with Jesus or I'm going to stay here and labor. For what reasons? For your progress and joy in the faith. So that you may have ample calls to glory in Christ Jesus. His concern was other people. His concern was whether or not the Thai people would have progress and joy in the faith. He was concerned about whether or not the people he'd led to Christ would grow in their faith. He was concerned about the people. And so we asked that question this summer. What are you giving your life to? What are you concerned about? Are you concerned about the progress and joy, uh, progress and joy of the faith for the God's people? Uh, And so he was for others. So I think if you were to ask Paul, you know, how do you live? I think you would say, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. But if I'm going to go on living, it's going to mean fruitful labor for me. He, he lived a life looking forward, not even looking forward, longing for the day of Christ, to be with Christ. He, li- he longed for the day of Christ. And I, one of the most convicting things for me this summer was how little I longed to be with Christ. How little I longed to be with him. And he longed far better for him. He loved others and he labored.
And so I want to just encourage you this morning uh, to think about the way you live. Uh, and I'm not asking you to go change your behavior. Uh, that, that could be something you would hear. I need, well, I've got to change the way I live. And you know, for all of us, there are probably changes in our lives to the way we live that should happen. But they shouldn't be from us bucking up and pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. It should be that we have seen a Jesus who's so great and wonderful that whatever it costs me to follow him is, is well worth it. I, even in, later in the Philippians, he says, I want, this is, Paul says this, he says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know the I want to know Christ. I want to know the uh, fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. So I want to know him so much that I, I want to know the. I want to have fellowship in suffering. If it means suffering, for me to know him, then I, then I want that. He wasn't saying I want suffering, I want hardship, but he's saying I want Jesus. I want him. I want to know. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, so I can become like him in his death. So I wanted us to just have a heart check uh, from this passage. As, as you think about the people around the world uh, who are perishing every second that are perishing, you think about the two billion people in the world who, who, don't, who live off less than a dollar a day. As you think about the 70 to 90 percent of this world that's lost, as you think about this culture that we live in that names the name of Christ and doesn't know him, hopefully you'll be moved to want to worship Christ and proclaim him to the nations. I've got some questions I want to end with, uh, and these are not these are just things for you to wrestle with in your own heart. Uh, if you'll go to the next slide. Well, first we'll wrestle with this, this passage. I want you to wrestle with this passage. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are, all, we are of all people most to be pitied. In 1 Corinthians, Paul, Paul here is saying, if this is not true, if, if the hope we have in Christ is not true, then we as Christians are, the, are should be pitied more than that billion people who live off less than a dollar a day. We are the most to be pitied if this is not true. As I've thought about this verse over the last couple of weeks, my question to myself has been, would, would people pity me if it wasn't true? Would pe- do I live my life in such a way? Am I so radically affected by Jesus that people would actually pity me, pity me because of the way I live if this is not true? And I think as a, as a church and as a people and as a generation that's, that's very self-centered, uh, we are very self-centered as a generation, I, I'm just not sure. I don't know. Maybe they would pity me, but it wouldn't be great pity. Uh, and so I, I want us to ask this question today, these questions today. You can go to the next one just in closing. Uh, or just the first of them are a couple of prayers. Uh, first one is, let Jesus be the main place that I find my identity and purpose. Uh, just a prayer that you can pray. None of us in here find it perfectly. None of us in here, I would say, are probably like Paul as of now. But uh, we have the spirit of the living God in us and the grace of God that transforms us.
can make us more like his son. And so I would say, if you want this, you start praying it. Let Jesus be the main place that I find my identity and purpose. Uh, second thing I'd pray is let me experience Jesus in such a way that I long to be with him over everything else. I, I, I desperately long for this. I don't have this, but I want it. I want to be so affected by Christ that I long for him over money, over comfort, over leisure, over family, over anything. That he would become my my greatest longing. And the third question, I think, is an application question you can ask from looking at Paul's life. What are some ways... What are some ways or things, <laughs> kind of redundant, that I can be praying and doing now to help expand the kingdom of God in all the earth? And I ask that question because I feel like it's one that we all should always be asking. But just what are some, what are things you can start praying for now for the world? What are some things you can start doing uh, now to help expand the kingdom by getting involved in mercy ministries or getting uh, involved in uh, giving or sharing your faith at your workplace. The one guy that you know that does not know Christ who's next to you every day. What about talking to him about Christ? And so, anyway, those are just a few uh, a few thoughts. This summer, this is what we challenged our people with every week. Will you be affected by Jesus? And will it change the way you live? So I think it's a good question for our church. Will we be affected by Jesus and will it change the way we live? Let me pray for us. And then we're going to close. Uh, Katie's going to come back up here. And we're just going to close with a song. And uh, and then we'll eat. And after we sing, Carlton, if you got anything else you want to do, feel free. So let me pray for us. Uh, Father, you are good.